0: Hope y'all are having a great Sunday morning. Um, sorry that you had to hear me scream on pitch today, but I had a blast in it. But I want to I do something a little different this morning, if that's okay. Can I do something a little different? All right, here's what I want to do different. I want everybody to close their eyes for a minute. Everybody, close your eyes. And I'm being serious. Close your eyes. I'll wait till y'all get y'all, so y'all, y'all, y'all bump into chairs and stuff. It'll be all good. We'll pause for a moment. Hey, Brian. Yeah, he's fine, he's fine. He can stay in here totally. It's totally cool. It's totally cool, totally cool, totally cool. I'll just, I'll just think that he's talking to God. It's all, it's all that matters. Anyways, here I, want you to, I want you to close your eyes just for a minute. I want you to close your eyes for a minute, and I want you to imagine with me for a second. I want you to imagine with me eternity. Imagine with me eternity. Imagine, imagine what it looks like. What, what do you see? What do you see in eternity? You got it pictured? If you got, if you got eternity pictured in your head, go ahead and shake your head. Yes? Okay? Imagine it. Just think about it for a second. Think about it. Now what I want you to do is, I want I want you, if you got it, I want you to open your eyes and look at it. Look at me. Okay? There's more. There's more. But probably not in a way that you're that you that you think. Alright? Probably not in a way that you think. Because there, I there's. Last week, I quoted some philosophers, including the great philosopher Eminem. You don't know if you remember that. Um, <laughs> I might get hurt in life more often. That's awesome. <laughs> but I'm going to quote a couple more philosophers real quick, if that's okay. So philosopher Ludwig Whittingston, I hope I said your name right. I mean, not that he would know because he's dead, but... Yeah, sorry So sorry if I butchered his name and you're in his family. But he's quoted in saying this about eternity, okay? Death is not an event in life. Whoa, 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 whoa. That seems a little, that seems a little off, doesn't it? Oh, my, oh, my. Death is not an event in life. We do not live to experience death. If we take eternity to mean not in finite temporal duration, but timelessness, then eternal life belongs to those who live in the present. Was deep in it? Deep. You know, what is this? Henry David Thoreau said this once. He said, You must live in the present, launch yourself on every wave, find eternity in each moment. Well, Pastor D, I don't know if I agree with those philosophers. Well, I honestly think they're on to something. You want to know why? Because our friend John records Jesus talking about eternity more. Right? He records Jesus talking about eternity like Jesus had just Jesus had just talked to his disciples about persecution and sorrow that there, like you, in life you will have sorrows but in the midst of that sorrow you will experience what true joy is. And I want you to and I want you to listen to what Jesus how Jesus ends that little section. Um, well, it's actually the beginning of the next chapter, but how, what his response is to what he just talked about. And he begins to pray, and this is what, this is what John records Jesus talking about in eternity. In John 17, starting in verse 20, he says, When Jesus had spoken these words about the persecution, about the sorrow, about being filled with joy, that joy, even in the midst of those things, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you get, you have given him. Now I'm mean, gonna I mean, pause right here just for a second. Who gives eternal life? God. Since you have been given authority since you have given him authority over the flesh, so give to give eternal life to all whom you get, have given to me, and this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, in whom you have sent. And I wonder that maybe eternal life is not a quantity to be received in the future, but a quality to live in today. That maybe eternal life is not just a motivation. Is not just a destination, but also a motivation. Eternal life is not just a destination, but also a motivation to live for Christ in this moment, in this moment, in this moment, in this moment, in this moment that's coming in five minutes. What if eternal life is not about a destination that we go to, but a thing that we live in today. Maybe the way we get ready for the destination is living like it's already here. Like living in what we said last week in our one crowded hour. You can go on to the next one. Our one crowded hour. Living sold out for the kingdom. Living in this moment. What if we started living like eternity is where we are and that it currently surrounds us? How differently would you live, okay, I think the mistake we make honestly is that we go through life believing eternity is something that we get in the future, and it's not something that surrounds us. So I wonder if we realize if we really believe in what we, what if we grasp that eternity is so close that we could reach out and grasp it now, like Derek, you're freaking me out, okay. A little freaky doesn't hurt anybody. Let me give you an example. There's a story in the Bible. anybody know Stephen? Okay, so Stephen was preaching the gospel, and and he gets arrested for preaching the gospel. And they, when the religious leaders start to, um, when the religious leaders start to question him, he gives them this like the, it's like 14 chapters of worth of a sermon. It's really just one, but it's like this massive long sermon. And I'm going to start at the end of this sermon before I get to the part where I want to, because I love just the reality of humanity in this. Because, I mean, it almost seems like Stephen's a little bit upset. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And Stephen ends this sermon by doing something that we are told not to do to people, but it's like, this shows the reality of that people in the Bible not aren't these super great heroes, they're people just like us. All right? And it, this is how he ends it. Why would you be so stubborn as to close your hearts and your ears to me? One translation says, why are you being so stiff-necked? It's basically like calling them out. Why are, you, why are you to be so stubborn, calling them names, to close your hearts and your ears to me? You are always opposing the Holy Spirit just like your forefathers. Ooh, he's about to call them out. woo Which prophet was not persecuted and murdered by your ancestors? Name just one. They killed them all, even the ones who prophesied long ago of the coming of the righteous one. Talking about Jesus. Now you follow in their steps and have become his betrayers and murderers. Like can you, can you imagine the religious leaders circling them up right there and just like, uh-huh. Keep keep talking. Keep talking. See what happens. And Stephen goes on to say, You have been given the law uh go go go. You have been given the law by the visitation of angels, but you have not obeyed it. Ooh, and he's talking to religious leaders that teach it, y'all. And when they heard these things, they were overtaken with a violent rage, filling their souls, and they gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, overtaken with great faith, was full of the Holy Spirit. And this is what happened. He fixed his gaze into into the heavenly realm, and he saw the glory and splendor of God and Jesus who stood up at the right hand of God. And this is what Stephen said to him. Look, at Stephen said, look, Stephen said. I can see the heavens. I can see eternity opening and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God welcoming me home. See, like, I wonder sometimes if we're so distracted in life that we miss heaven heaven opening, right? Eternity opening right in front of us. Eternity already surrounded Stephen. Eternity already surrounded Stephen. And now he could see it with his eyes in the middle of this terrifying ordeal. And I wonder if we miss out on eternity that sur- the eternity that surrounds us here this morning, and on- and honestly, like miss out on the motivation it gives us. Like, why was Stephen able to be so bold in those moments? Maybe he had something that we that realized something that we maybe he realized that eternity was all around us, and that he was finally able to see it with his eyes once he once once his eyes were opened. Like like the story of. Like the story of the, the two disciples who are walking on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus appeared to them after the, after the resurrection. And they're like, and I love that Jesus kind of cats with them a little bit. And they're like, Have you not heard the things that have gone on in Jerusalem the last little bit? And, they, and Jesus goes, What things? Like they didn't realize that they were literally talking to the person they had been following for the last three years. You know what I'm saying? And it gets all the way, all the way to to Emmaus and they sit down and they eat. And Jesus was like, "I'm gonna move on," and they're like, "No, eat with us." And then he broke the bread, and their eyes were open that eternity was sitting right in front of them the whole time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, how how many times have we missed? How many times have we missed eternity? That's right in front of us. And I think the reason that Stephen could be so bold is because he realized that realized that eternity was all around him. You want to live in your one crowded hour, start walking like eternity is right next to you. But I think, <laughs> I think, I don't even know if I can. <laughs> one crowded hour, living as one crowded hour, you know, one crowded hour is as if eternity is right next to us. But the reason I think Stephen could be so bold, too, in this with understanding of how eternity motivates us, I believe like he kind of this was like a precursor to what Paul would write in Romans In Romans 8 verse 38 it says so now I live with confidence So now I live with confidence. Yeah, but yeah happy fingers back there Romans eight thirty-eight. 38 there we go So now I live with confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I am convinced that His love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or in our future circumstances that can weaken His love. There is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love. And we can also translate it, God's eternal life. Which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. I love the word "lavish," which means it's like an outpouring, like it's like it's this it's this like blanket that like this wet blanket just thrown on on you. It covers everything. Like it's an unforeseeable amount. Like it just constantly rolls like a river. You with me? Like I love that. So if Je- if Jesus said the eternal life is to know the Father to know the father and the christ in which he sent meaning that eternal life is the fact that we currently are in the presence of god and his son and our savior means that eternity motivates us to live fearless to live fearless because guess what eternity eternity or eternal life that really to be honest if you haven't caught on yet is here today for us as believers like we can walk in it today. Here's what this means that, that you can walk in whatever God is calling you to, no matter how many fears or doubts you have, and guess what? You will still be victorious because there's nothing that can come against you. Eternity, eternity motivates us to live fearless because you have received this new life. Receive this new life of etern- eternity in salvation. This life gets you out of hell into heaven, but the eternity that comes with it, eternity will make you a force for heaven here on earth. Because you have nothing to lose. You with me? You have nothing to lose. So what if take my life to live as Christ and to die as gain? Why? Because you'll be with Jesus. Okay? Eternity will make you a force for heaven here on earth. So let's you mind if I rewind just a little bit here? Listen to this. we go back to Romans 8, verse 31, it says, So what does all this mean? If God has determined to stand with us, tell me, who then could stand against us? For God has proved His love by giving uh, us His greatest treasure, the gift of His Son. And since God freely offered Him up as a sacrifice for us all, He currently won't withhold from us anything else He has, has to give. I don't know... Like that verse gets me excited because he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give, which means I wonder how much of eternity we're missing out on that he's already poured out on us because we won't accept it. You with me? Like he's already given it to us. All we have to do is reach out and take it. He said, this is yours. He goes on to say, who then would dare to accuse those whom God has chosen in love to be his? God himself is the judge who has issued his final verdict over them and you want to know what the verdict is not guilty not guilty who then is left to condemn us certainly not Jesus the anointed one for he gave his life for us and even more than that he has conquered death and is now risen exalted and enthroned by God by God at his right hand so how how could he possibly condemn us since he is continually praying for your triumph like right now Jesus is praying for you to break that addiction, to break, to break that stronghold in your life. Right now, Jesus is proclaiming victory over your life, and all you have to do is open your eyes and see eternity right there around you. Who could ever separate us from the endless love of God, of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love toward us. Troubles, pressures, and problems are all are unable to come between us and heaven's love what about persecution and deprivation and danger and death threats no 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 for they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent to omnipotent love even even though it is written all day long we face death threats for your sake god we are considered to be nothing more than sheep to be slaughtered yet even in the midst of all these things we triumph over them all for god has made us to be more than conquerors and he he has demonstrated love his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything So now I live with this confidence. There is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that His love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken His love. There is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which He lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. Eternity will make you a force for heaven here on earth. Because nothing can separate us, nothing can come between us, nothing can come against us, nothing like Sarah was talking about earlier in the song, like even when the devil comes at you and throws things at you saying, You're not good enough, you're not worthy enough, look at you, look at that sin you got in your life, get what Jesus said, not guilty. You look straight in the devil's face and go, You better shut up before I punch you in the mouth again. Wait, that's coming at the end of Revelation. Right? Your day's coming. Your day's coming. Let me show you what else living in eternity also does. Which is, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for man. This is Paul writing a letter to the church of Colossae, which really is a letter to us. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for man. Knowing that from the Lord will, you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord. Christ. And here's what eternity does e- eternity stirs us to be pleasing to God to live a life pleasing to God this tells us that no matter what we do we can do it for the Lord no matter what your job title is where you work or what you've gone through guess what eternity allows those things to become your ministry in whatever you do you're going to do it for the glory of God not for man which turns that you mopping the floors as a janitor, to the custodian, into a ministry. It turns you teaching into a ministry. It turns it turns you pushing numbers to, for a ministry. Whatever your job job is now as a believer with eternity, living in eternity now, living in your one credit hour now, it makes that job makes whatever you're doing a ministry. And so, if we start thinking of it as a ministry, guess what? We'll totally be walking pleasing to God and not to man. See, Paul, in another letter, Paul another letter says this, and this is something that I really struggle with, It's because I'm, I'm, my love language is words of affirmation. So if you tell me, oh man, that, that rock there, I'm like, oh, my head gets real big, cause that's my, that's my thing, so there's, do it in spurts, okay? But my, my love language is the here. I'm proud of. Good job, great job, great job. And a lot of times that was my tendency, because even like, even I had a conversation with the um, Pastor of the church I was at before, and just said, you know, sometimes I wonder if, you know, that verse it says, it says, work on this verse, and it says, working to the Lord, working to man as if you were working to the Lord. Oftentimes times, I find myself, catch myself, working for man as if he was the Lord, because that's I want to seek approval of people, because that's my love language, and I have to be careful. And I go find verses like Galatians 1:10 that says, I have to ask myself this: For am I now seeking the approval of man or or of God? You know what I'm saying? Or am I trying to please man? Because if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a huge struggle with me. Because here's the deal: if you live by the approval of others, you will die by it. Eternity allows us and stirs us to be to be pleasing to God, to walk differently, to lead differently. But also, lastly, Eternity leads us to, to powerfully love others. Eternity leads us to powerfully love others. This is where we get our core value of pour it out. We're going to empty ourselves out because eternity matters now. See, Philippians, Paul wrote a letter to Philippians, and in Philippians 2, he starts off by saying this. He says, look at how much encouragement you have found in your relationship with the anointed one. You are filled to overflowing with his comfort with his comforting love you have experienced a deepening friendship with the holy spirit and have felt his tender affection and mercy and let me just say if you're in here this morning and you haven't felt that haven't had that encouragement I'm gonna say today is the day of salvation god 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 wants that for you god wants that for you i'm asking you my friends that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart one passion and united in one love walk together with one harmonious purpose, and you will fill my heart with unabounded joy. Be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourself. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. And consider the example of Jesus, the Anointed One, who has set has set before us let his mindset become your motivation because he let go of everything even in the garden if you look at the prayer in the garden Jesus said God if there's any other way Father if there's any other way but I know there's not any other way so I'm going to go lay myself down for others I'm going to go pour myself out for others eternity leads us to powerfully love others because when we have the right perspective of eternity allows us to love people powerfully we will be most satisfied in life when we live a life of serving others. Amen. When we make other people great, knowing that our identity is not in what we do or in what we have, but in the fact that we are our children, sons and daughters of Christ. And this empowers us to value other people and give our lives away, to allow us to pour our lives out for other people. So not And it will lead to not only will... Not only will we see people set free, but we can serve others in a way that it sets us free. Have you ever poured yourself out to somebody and you're like, "I didn't know this would feel that good to give myself away"? I mean, we can encounter the kindness of character, the kindness of character of God when we love others because it is what we were made to do. See, when we feed the poor and we look into their eyes, we see that eternity is in every moment. So when we feed the poor, when we look into their eyes, we see that eternity is in every moment because the love of Christ is there. When we go to eat and we bless our, wait- our waiters by doubling the bill and tips, we can see that eternity is in every moment because you sacrifice to serve another. When you bring little ones into your home to give them love and stability, and you're rolling around on the floor with them, it's not covered in everything. Then you see the smiles on their face, and see that eternity is in every moment, and the struggles are worth it. When you help your neighbor, neighbor, when you talk to that person, no one else will. When you fill in the blank, when you fill in the blank, and you see how you change someone's day, how you change someone's life, how you change someone's year, you will see. That eternity is in every moment. So while eternity, yes, is a future destination of ours, it's a place that we are currently. In. So I wonder if we stop imagining eternity in the future and start to imagine eternity now. So I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to imagine with me for a minute what does eternity look like for you? For some of us in this room it may be one of those one of those hey today my eternity looks like me accepting Jesus for the first time. Or my eternity today looks like me turning my life back around to him. Maybe your eternity maybe your eternity does look like you being sold out. You want to live in your one crowded hour. This is how you do it. You keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, lifting all praise to Him. We talked about last week. Live as if eternity is present by asking this question. This is the question. If you're taking notes, I'll let you open your eyes and you can write this question back down, okay? What does love require of me today? What does love require of me Today? So imagine eternity as if it were today. What does that look like? the God, we want to thank you so much that you have right now, presently, eternity's gates are open wide to us. Scripture talks about it constantly rolling out blessings to those who follow him. God, may our eyes be open this morning to to what you have for us today, what you want us to walk in today. May, in light of eternity starting now, in our present day, as we walk on every wave that comes our way, may we live in a way, may we live in a way that we will really do believe that we are fearless, that we can love powerfully. may we live as if eternity is right by us surrounding us may in everything we do it be praise that eternity is right here and that when our day does come and we stand before your throne it just feel like a continual walk in what we've been walking in the whole time walking in you Walking in turn now for other.